everyone. I'm Dr. Yosefa Fogel-Rubel, and this is One-on-One Women Talk Torah, a series brought to you by Matan Women's Institute for Torah Study. Welcome back to Matan's One-on-One Podcast. If you would like to sponsor a podcast episode in honor or memory of a loved one, please contact the Matan office via telephone or email us at podcast.matan.org.il. Each week we spend 30 minutes speaking about a seminal figure or idea in that week's Parsha. Pilshat Masay opens with a list of the nation's traveling landmarks and their wilderness wanderings. Aaron dies in this week's Parsha and war is fought with Arad. The latter section of the Parsha details laws pertaining to entry and conquest of Israel, such as the commandments to inhabit the land, the borders of Canaan, another commandment to create Levitic cities and cities of refuge, and concludes with the legal application of Tzlovchad's daughter's inheritance. The Parsha continues essentially with its opening tone. It is one filled with transition from one generation to the next and with laws that will help the nation transition into their new life in Israel. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Rabbanit Yafid Kleimer, who is a senior lecturer in Judaic studies at several Matan branches at Emunah and Web Yeshiva. Yafid is on Beit Hillel's advisory board and writes online responsa for the Meshivat Nefesh project. Rabbanit Yafid, it is a pleasure to have you back here. Thank you, Yosefa. It's good to be here again. And, you know, last time we spoke, we spoke philosophy. We spoke about uh, Franz Rosenzweig's The Star of Redemption. And today you're also going to bring us something that's different uh, to take us into the world of Hasidut, into the world of the, of the Baal Shem Tov. So I'm going to hand that, put that ball in your court. Uh, it is far, far more yours than mine. So let's, let's start. Who, who was the Baal Shem Tov? Tell us about him. Well, the truth is that, uh, that basically he's, he's a very enigmatic figure. There's not a lot of details that we know of him and of his life, but throughout the years, um, both through his the stories about him and through some uh, writings that we have of his students, we we know something about what he was doing and what he what he was trying to bring to the Jewish world. And and I think we have to speak two minutes history, uh, Jewish history here, because what Hasidut came to the world at the 18th century, in the mid of the 18th century in what today is uh, Western Ukraine. Um, and it was based upon the personality of the Baal Shem Tov. Jewish life in, that, in those areas before were very, um, I would use a very harsh word, was very rigid re- religiously. And Torah was learned only by the few Talmidei Chachamim in each town, in each village, in each city. And most of the Jewish people, the, the common Jewish people, um, they didn't know much about Judaism. And what the Baal Shem Tov is, is doing, like Rabbi Israel of the good name, he's actually starting a spiritual and social movement. It's very important to say that it was also a social movement because what he said was Torah belongs to everybody. And even if you don't know how to read, you can be a good Jew and God loves you as you are. And his influence throughout his teachings, you know, spread throughout the... I would say the Ashkenazi uh, Jewish world when it started, both Eastern Europe and Russia, even though today the influence of Hasidut is, is upon the entire Jewish world, also the Sephardi world. But back then at the 18th century, Baal Shem Tov comes with few main ideas that he is teaching his, his students and the Jewish world. One is to say that God's presence is everywhere. It's in the entire universe, and we can cling to God 
through personal uh, um, through personal decisions through different different dimension of existence and he was actually uh, most of his teachings were taken from Kabbalah from the Zohar and the Kabbalah of uh, Rabbi Tzchak Luria but what the Baal Shem Tov was doing if Zohar if Jewish mysticism was trying to understand God and the and the divine existence Baal Shem Tov said, I would like to understand people because we human beings were created in the image of God and there's very little things we can say about God, but we need to understand ourselves. We need to understand how we act in the world, how we work. And I would even say, you know, very, very carefully, but I think there's a lot of truth to that, that the Baal Shem Tov was probably the first a Jewish psychologist, you know, way before uh, Freud, um, uh, at least a hundred years before before Freud, and he was trying to understand the nefesh. He was trying to understand human spirit, human, human, the human mind. Why do we do what we do? So that was one thing that he was he was trying to do. The other thing that he was trying to do, and that's very important. It's it's. I'm just going to mention it, and we're going to move away because it's not the focus of our discussion today. Baal Shem Tov was actually tilting the, the focal point in, in Judaism from learning Torah to praying. And he said, praying everyone can do the way that you, the, what you know and who, with who you are, you can, uh, you can pray and you can connect to God. And there are a few, I would say like three essential elements in the Baal Shem Tov's learning and teachings and behaving and being Jewish and was loving God, loving other Jews and loving the Torah. And each one of us can do it in their own way. And it was a revolution. It was actually starting a revolution in being Jewish and understanding each and every one of us role in this world. You didn't have to be you know, the sharpest, most, the most uh, smart person in the world in order to learn Torah. You can be very, very simple and, uh, and with your acts, be even be a better Jew than uh, the Rosh Yeshiva. Uh, for example. And of course, he influenced his followers. I, I'll just mention two names. One is um, his grandson, Rabbi Nachman of Breslau. And the other one is one of his great uh, students, Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Ladi, the Baal Atanya, the founder of the Chabad movement. You know, Yafit, in this uh, wonderful introduction to the world of the Baal Shem Tov, I want to just point out one point that we like touched upon two weeks ago in an episode with uh, with Yossi Ben Haush, where we spoke about much more modern Hasidic thought. But the fact is that Hasidut is such an appealing way of thinking in today's world, and there are a number of reasons why that's the case. I mean, there's always been Hasidim since Hasidut started and went into all these different branches and different Chatserot. But today you have just the, you know, average Jew, uh, observant Jew who's not particularly uh, Hasidic or come from a Hasidic background is interested reading uh, Hasidut. You know, I right now have on my on my shelf, I'm reading Sipure uh, Masyot of Rabbi Nachman. I mean, I'm doing it just because everyone's reading it, so I gotta be, I gotta be up to date. Do you know what I'm saying? But, but it's really speaking to to people's hearts and souls already for a number of decades in a much broader way. And 
and and I don't want to belabor the point, but the focus on the self, which in his time was a democratization of knowledge, meaning is this, Judaism isn't about knowledge, it's about avodat Hashem, which for some reasons, which I don't know the history of it, seemed to have gotten lost uh, over time, or certainly in, in Ashkenazic lands, that today, with the tremendous focus on self and self-improvement in the broader modern world, Hasidut has sort of come in like, a, fits like a glove, meaning this very introspective, you know, what is my place in it? How can I wake up tomorrow morning and be a better person? Those those kinds of, which also exist in the Muslim movement, but exist in somewhat different forms in, in, in Hasidut, uh, that, that that way of thinking, that kind of language has just fallen upon such, you know, desperate longing and thirsty, uh, thirsty souls in today's world. So we've just, we've sort of, it's exploited and there's multiple historical reasons for, for why that is the case. But that's one that I'll just mention because you really spoke about that when you spoke about the fact that the Baal Shem Tov was really having the focus on the person. We're going to be, you know, the first, as you said, the first Jewish psychologist. And that's what interests him is the human soul and how to touch that soul and not just the, the divine that feels far away. Yes, he was so insightful by saying that if people will think they're worth nothing and they have nothing to contribute to the long Jewish learning tradition, then people will, dr will be drifted away from Yahadut, from Judaism, from belonging. And comes the Baal Shem Tov and he says, no, what you have personally is something only you can bring. And if you're, if you're not going to be you, the world is going to miss this special, unique thing that you can bring to the world. And, and with that, just letting people feel important not, not egoistic, but important. I count. He gave them self-worth, and Absolutely. that was something that was utterly missing in a world where you nullified yourself to the to the bigger people out there, to the huge God out there. He gave people self-worth. They yes. were lacking. And also, you know, we're not going to go into the history of it, but they were living in hundreds of years of horrific exile, meaning it wasn't just not great. I mean, it was yeah. horrific, bleak. There was nothing on the horizon that let you think that this was ever going to change. We're going to be sitting in a poor corner of the Ukraine for the next generations with pogroms constantly coming. We can never predict them. I mean, it's not, and it's, so it's not even just self-worth. It's also giving them hope that, that, and then it also in the wake of all the false messiahs that he also witnessed in his own life. But you only have false messiahs when people are desperate to be saved. Uh, and so it's it's all that it's that self worth and also giving people something to hold on to that I think he really yeah. gifted the Jewish world with. I think you touched a very important wor word, and that's hope. Like Baal Shem Tov is telling not only that Jewish history has hope, you know, our future has hope. And one of his sayings, which I think is is absolutely deep, Baal Shem Tov is saying the pasuk in Noach. You should open a window in the Teva for Noach, you know, just to, to be able to, to see the outside. The Baal Shem Tov is saying Teva in Hebrew is not just an ark, it's a word. And we should open windows in each and every word of the Torah. And with that, he opened a sea of interpretations to the Torah, saying each word has something to teach me. And I should open a window into that word and try to understand something deep about it in each and every word of the Torah. And all of a sudden we have uh, Hasidut and, and Baal Shem Tov started that, taking one word, one word of the Torah and bringing, you know, tens of ideas of not only understanding Torah, but mostly understanding myself. Because the most important thing, and I think it's a, it's a very, it's an existential way of thinking, 
So Tzohar Ta'asel Ha'teva, a window you should open into each word of the Torah. And looking into each word of the Torah, it's not just understanding what the Torah wants to tell me about what was what happened in the past or how, you know, what are the mitzvot. Looking into the words so I can understand how to live this life. Our parsha starts with two psukim that, let me just say the psukim and then I'll focus on the word that he is, you know, opening our eyes into. So these were the, the marches of the Israelites who started out from the land of Egypt, troop by troop, in the charge of Moshe and Aaron. And then it says, Moshe recorded the starting points of their various marches as directed by God. Their marches by starting points were as the follow. And the Baal Shem Tov looks at this pasuk and it says like, you know, the Moshe has to write where they left their journey and where they're going where, where, where the next step is. And the Baal Shem Tov is saying, I, I, I'm listening to these words of the Torah, where they left, what was the point, you know, the traveling point they, they were at and where, where are they going into? And the Baal Shem Tov is saying, this is very strange. Why does the Torah have to tell us that they left and they're going into the next stop, and then again where they where they got and where the next stop. And there's a list of 42 stations, 42 camping stops that Bnei Israel uh, find themselves in the desert. Not all of them happened uh, throughout the desert. There were 14 stops in the, in the first year and eight stops at the last year, meaning that there are 20 camping points that they stop at and camp at throughout 38 years. And that's a long time for just 20 stops, meaning that more time they spend standing, sitting in one place than traveling to the, to the other place. But the Baal Shem Tov is focusing on the, 40, the number 42. And he's saying 42 stations, 42 stops the Bnei Israel traveled since they left Mitzrayim till they got to their destination, that was Eretz Israel. The Baal Shem Tov is saying something so profound, and he says each and every one of us has to go through 42 stops, 42 stations, 40, 42 camping uh, points in our life. We have to move from one point to another point till we accomplish our journey in our life. And the reason, says the Baal Shem Tov, is that each and every one of us has something to achieve throughout our life. And that achievement has to do with us being aware of our kohot, our strengths and our, our weaknesses. And every time we get to a point, we have to ask ourselves, what did I learn from that place, from that stop, from that, you know, si sitting here, dwelling in this place where I am. It could be a spiritual place. It could be a physical place. It could be an intersection in my life where I have to make decisions. What did I gain and learn from that point? And only then I can move to the next step in my life. And till we finish these 42 stops in our life, only then we are ready to move to the next uh, life, says the Baal Shem Tov, the spiritual achievement of the next, next world. And says the Baal Shem Tov, the 42, the number 42, um, well, that's also a Kabbalistic idea of the number 42. Mm -hmm. It says the Baal Shem Tov, if I know in my life that there are certain uh, stops that I have to, I have to move, certain places I have to be in order to accomplish 
what I can in my life, then maybe I'll live my life in a deeper awareness and try to understand where, where's the next step I should go. Now, it's, it's a question we all of us ask ourselves. How do I know where to go to from, from where I am? Shall I stay where I am and say, this is the only place I can be. I'm happy here. You know, I, I make a living. My, my kids are happy. My, my spouse is happy. There's nowhere I can move into. Uh, I can move towards in my life. And the Baal Shem Tov says, that's very dangerous. Wherever we are, if we're too happy, that means we are, we're going to feel stagnation. Every time we stop in our life and we feel satisfied, that's where we have to think what's the next next step should be. And it can be a spiritual step. It doesn't mean that I have to move to another to another country. You know, in his, uh, if I'm looking at the text in front of me of the commentary, uh, which I also think is interesting to note that a lot of these Torah, they're, they're written by by his son. Can you, they're, right? They always start with a quote. There are two main people who, who, who um, gave wrote the Torah of Baal Shem Tov. One was his great Talmud, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Katz from, po from Poland. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he wrote most of the things about, about the Baal Shem Tov. The other one was the Magid of Meserich, but he didn't write much. He just said all of the Torah that he learned with the Baal Shem Tov and his students, mm. the students of the Magid wrote the Torah. Um, Rabbi Nachman quotes a lot of things by his uh, uh, from his grandfather. Okay, so that that's just a side point, but it's just uh, when when you look at the commentaries, everyone should just note that it's usually Shamati B'Shem, like, but it's speaking right. about the. Well, I heard in the name of it speaking about the Bel Shem Tov. Right. So I'm just curious about how to take this metaphor because he says I'm just reading one line that Kola Masot Hayumembeth. There were 42 Masot. Vehem etzel kol adam miyom hivaldo ad shebo el olamo ulavin ze ki miyom aleida vahotzato mirechimimo hu pchinat itziat mitzrayim kenoda. Says that as you just explained before, that when you're born uh, and until you go into the next world, it's basically you're going through 42 you know stopping points along the way, and it's like you've exited Egypt until you get to the next world. Now. The starting point from Egypt is something that sort of caught my eye, meaning I know that that's what it says in the Psukim, but if we're taking it metaphorically as being about the journeys that our life are, you know, the journeys we take in our life to become better, more meaningful people, the starting point from Egypt kind of bothered me. Do you know what I'm saying? Meaning yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a negative, it's a very negative perspective. Uh, maybe it doesn't mean it negatively, it just means starting low and, and getting to a high point. But maybe maybe because he was comparing the womb to Mitzrayim. Exactly, kind of, exactly, yeah. exactly. So so he's talking about the word Mitzrayim and he's actually reading it as Meitzarim, a, a, a narrow oh, place. Okay. And we we exit Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim was a narrow place, a place we didn't have room metaphorically to live, to be. And then we enter through through Kriyat uh, Suf. Actually, there's a, there's a scholar, Professor Ilana Pardes from Hebrew U, and she has a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, book about Yetziat Mitzrayim, and she says the people of Israel actually are reborn because they they leave Mitzrayim, which is a narrow place, through water, Kriyat Yamsuf, and then the birth is starting at the other side of the of of, of Yamsuf, and they start their lives, and they have to learn how to be people, how to walk, how to talk, how to eat. It's really, yeah, it's really a beautiful metaphor. This is what the Baal Shem Tov is saying. Each and every mm -hmm. one of us come out from our mother's tomb and into the life, into this world. And this world is full of difficulties and challenges. And we have to, when, when, we, when we understand that we came here to go through a journey, to grow, not to stay in one place, 
then each each time we stop we have to think okay what's my next step where else can i grow where else can i go where else can i bring the gifts i was given by god which is the torah essentially it's not only the torah i think that's that's his main chidush it's not only my divrei torah it's me as a person in this world with my own shama i am unique the Baal Shem Tov is emphasizing on the fact that each and every one of us is unique so if I understand that my life from from the minute I was born to the minute I'll die is unique to me and there's something I have to bring I need to bring to this world because no one else will bring the same words the same sound the same being the same emphasis and I have to to navigate you know throughout the journey of my life and So I can bring to the world what I why I can do now each each person has their own journey one is a poet one is a writer one is a, is a Torah scholar one is a mother one is a is a politician one is a judge it doesn't matter you know all those things are from God that were giving to me for me to find out throughout the journey of my life and if I'm aware of the fact that That uh, you know what? Uh, let me use someone who is not Hasidic, but but maybe it will help us understand. Rav Soloveitchik was saying that there are only two things we know in this world. We know that we were born and we know that we are going to die. And between those two points, you know what I do in the world is is most of the things are based on my decisions and where where I'm taking my life. The Baal Shem Tov is adding something else. And again, he's reading into the Torah. And he's saying, why would Moshe had to write down all the 42 Masaot? Why not just saying, we left Mitzrayim, we entered the land. Why do I have to hear about the 42 stations, 42 stops? And the Baal Shem Tov is saying, it's important because Moshe is hinting us, is, is teaching us that as Bnei Israel had to go through 42 station, stops after they left Mitzrayim, they left the narrow place, they were reborn until they entered the land. The, you know the the promised land this is our journey in this life and if we focus on that if we understand that that will help us move from one stop to another trying to grow trying to understand learning now another thing you mentioned hope before and that was something very big with the with the Baal Shem Tov and he says sometimes we we get to a place and we feel despair we feel like we lost hope there's no hope for me and There's no, nowhere I can move on from this point. I, I'm lost. And the Baal Shem Tov is saying, no, no, no. Because if I don't know where to go next, I should look around myself and ask myself, what did I learn from this stop where I am? What did I learn from life till now? And from, from that learning, I can get to a conclusion where my next step should be. And every step, every point is important. You know what? There, there's another thing which I think is so crucial in what he's saying. He's speaking about, he's using a, a phrase saying, Gadlut vekatnut, you know, mm-hmm. na- narrow yeah. mind and, and big mind, small, small points and, and, and large points in, in, in our life, which is also a, a major concept in Hasidut and also in the Zohar. But the Baal Shem Tov is saying, you know, sometimes we reach a point in our life, you know, one stop of our life, which we feel... It's enormous. It's great. I, I accomplished something really great. It can be, you know, the, the day of our marriage. It can be, a, you know, I got a, an appointment. You know, I feel important. I feel I did something great in my life. 
And we feel sometimes that these are the highlights of our lives. But the Baal Shem Tov is saying, no, sometimes even the small things that we do in our life can be one step ahead, one step towards the goal, the mission of our life. It can be, you know, just waking up in the morning tired and making a sandwich to our kid. And I don't regard it as a, an important step in my life. But no, I accomplished something there. I overcome my tiredness, you know, to help my child. I smiled to the person in the street. That could be also be a small step in my life that brings me forward as a human being that was created in the image of God that is trying to reach something more than just everyday life. That specific understanding of the Baal Shem Tov, uh, of, of Parashat Mas'eh is just one example to the revolution. It's just one example for the revolution that he's teachings brought to, to the Jewish world. And it is to tell each and every one of us, our life is written in the Torah. And if I put in existential glasses to look, to read the Torah, I can find hints, I can find advice, I can find ways of giving me tools for how to live my life in a better way. You know, not so I'll be happy all the time, but mostly of overcoming suffering and, and anxiety and poorness. And what he's telling us in the specific words of Mas'e with a 42 stop that each and every one of us is going through, that he says, if we, if we look into ourselves, we will find that everything that happened to us brought us to a certain point. And from that point on, we can move on to the next step, sometimes what happens to us bring us to grow spiritually. And sometimes what happened to us brings us to grow, you know, um, from things that we do outside, things that all the entire world can see that we change or we moved into the target. And maybe that will teach other people not to give up, but to, to, to pursue that that we brought to do in this world, each and every one of us with, with our own specific uh, abilities and tasks and our neshama that we bring into this world. So Baal Shem Tov really started a movement and both his students and his grandchildren continued to develop his teachings and his ideas. Now, most people are aware of his grandson, Rabbi Nachman Mibreslav, but he had another grandson who had an amazing commentary on Torah. His name was Moshe Chaim Ephraim, and he wrote a book called Degel Machane Ephraim. And, and the Degel Machane Ephraim about this learning of Mas'ei and the, and, the, and the stops and the, you know, the, the stopping uh, points in our, the journey of our life, He's saying something also very, very profound. And he says, when the Torah tells us, tell us, in other words, where they left and where they're going to. And that Degel Machane Ephraim says that if we focus in our life on the roots of our lives, where the, the, first, the, the first station, where are we coming from? Where are we coming from to, to go to the rest of our lives? And always remember the source Looking back, where did I come from? That will give me koach, that will give me strength to move on in our life. And, and essentially says that Degel Machane Ephraim, when we remember where we came from, and here again, it's two readings. Where we came from can be a root or neshama from God, 
or where we came from, our family, what we got from our family, then every struggle that I have in life, I can look back and it's like, no, but I have a good foundation. I have where to, you know, to draw my, my, my core, my, my strength to move on in life. That's if we're thinking about our family. Sometimes when we look back and we say, no, but, but my family actually didn't give me koach. Maybe sometimes my family weakened me. And the Degen Machane Ephraim says, nevertheless, if you, you look back and you see that your family weakened you, you can say, I want to be stronger. I want to give my kids something different. And then, you know, start a journey which is different than where I started. And if it's remembering my source, my neshama from God, that definitely should give me koach because if God decided that I need to come to this world, this is something that the Baal Shem Tov said, you were born, that means you have something to contribute to this world and remembering your source is supposed to give you the energy and the wisdom to move on through life. First of all, Yafita, thank you so much for this conversation. I think that your the ideas you've been sharing in the name of these Hasidic masters has really beautifully demonstrated why why Hasidut speaking to so many people now. It's very interesting because I think one of the major differences between the world in which Hasidut came to be in our world is that then there are many things that were externally give it creating tsa'al for people that were externally creating anguish and pain uh pogroms and poverty and as we said just you know hundreds of years of of galut of exile and then this torah came to be in a world where it gave people self-worth and it reminded them that you can use torah to be your anchor for strength in life and not just to be something that's another heavy yoke that sits upon you and makes things difficult in our world today the, extern the externalities of our life are better than they ever were in, in the history of the world. Um, there is war, obviously, still, but, but the life we meet every day is far more peaceful inside and out than it ever used to be. But the irony is that with all of that, um, you know, the recreational time or the, or the, the peace that is on the outside, uh, people's souls today are more in anguish than ever uh, for so many different reasons. And so I think that while while there's been a flip in where the, the anguish or pain comes from, either way, the world of Hasidut is falling on on souls and hearts and on ears that that really that really need it. And the big difference between the world of Hasidut and the world of self-help is that self-help is what it sounds like. It's finding the resources within yourself, whereas Hasidut focuses on the self but it uses it through the tools of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and of Torah. And so it's not that the, you know, the buck ends with me and what I could do for myself or that, that, you know, the hired help I could pay for or the, you know, spa treatment I can give to myself. It's not about from within you. It's about using the things that God has given you and then using what God and the Torah uh, has put in this world. So I just want to thank you very much for that and for giving all of us insight into the early world of Hasidut. Thank you, Yosefa. And, and I think what, what you said now is so, it's so true and so deep. People are looking for meaning. And Baal Shem Tov and Hasidut are giving meaning which comes from inside. Thank you for joining us for these episodes on the Book of Bamidbar. We've journeyed together along with the Jewish people in the desert, and we've had the pleasure of hearing from such a plethora of interesting, enlightening, and moving guests. Stay tuned for a fabulous Zerim lineup. I'm excited to bring you several returning guests as well as many new ones. 
See you there and Shabbat Shalom. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm Dr. Yosefa Fogel-Rubel, and this is One-on-One Women Talk Torah, a series brought to you by Matan Women's Institute for Torah Study. Please do one-on-one and women's Torah learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new listeners. You can stream and download these episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Matan's website. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review in the comments. Please send us any feedback at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Thanks for listening, everyone.